With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service with Slow Burn. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. Slow Burn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. It's more than a mobile lounge. It's an environment and an experience rich in history, luxury, and personality. An elegant extension of any celebration occasion. It's the perfect escape and meeting place. A space where you can relax or enjoy a shared passion. Have Slowburn plan your next big event or before you are planning to celebrate your win over your athletic rival, you can shop our collections at www.slowburnwaco.com. But if they want to tap, uh, I'm going to do the dab, yeah. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And boy, boy, I love it, love it. Yeah. I love it, love it. Yeah. I love my HBCU. And man, yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, she tap. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Talkin they can press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna lose, yeah. and who the ball, who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir, yes, and pay attention. Yes, sir. The analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah. And who's about? So listen to Professor, yes, sir, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill's Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Charles Bishop is out on assignment, but we got none other than Professor Washington. How you doing, Mike? Oh, uh, what's going on, Doc? What's up with you? I'm glad. Man, to- I'm good. Glad to be back in the lab. Man, it's good to have you. It's good to have you. Like old times, old times, my friend. Old times, my friend. With that being said, welcome to episode two. 261 of Inside HBC Sports Lab, radio show and podcast. The show is covering the sporting HBC dash for all things HBC sports from institutions large and small, from the NAIA to the NCA. We share insights and information on the HBC sports culture. 
and HBCU athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs in the business of HBCU sports. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to KCH 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper, multi-Hall of Famer, in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas. Today's episode of Inside HBCU Sports Lab is sponsored by THG Agency, LLC. THG Agency is a company that provides sporting and educational consulting and data analytics. With that, before we get in there and get into some of the lighter side and talk about the general sporting context about giving you updated information, what's hot and what's not, unfortunately, we have some disturbing news that I know that we need to make sure that we discuss um, in this opening segment. You, I'm sure that you've heard by now, you know, Delaware State lacrosse players say they were racially profiled. The traffic stop is brought to you by HBCUsports.com. Um, you also had this picked up uh, as Delaware State was incensed after the lacrosse team's bus stop and search in Georgia. It's written by Kevin Rossellini. Uh, the Delaware News Journal it was picked up by USA Today in terms of the newspaper and Delaware State's lacrosse team claims it was racially profiled by Georgia law enforcement. Uh, pretty uh, intense when you see the video in so many different ways and just unfortunate and just frustrating for me that we have to spend time to talk about this, but this cannot go being ignored and it needs to be brought to the forefront. Um, so at least folks know some reality in terms of what's going around. So some of the things highlighted in the article for those who may not realize that the college women's lacrosse team uh, feels traumatized after this charter bus was stopped by police by traveling through Georgia, an incident that has left the school's president incensed. That incensed is quoted. The Delaware State University women's lacrosse team was traveling north on I-95 in Liberty County, Georgia, southwest of Savannah. On April 20th, the Hornets were returning home after playing their final game of the season at Stetson University in Delane, Florida. On April 19th, bus driver Tim Jones was initially told he was improperly traveling in the left lane when the bus was pulled over. According to the DSU student publication, the Hornet newspaper and its website, thehornetonline.com, the incident was first detailed there in a story that published Friday, written by Sidney Anderson, a sophomore lacrosse player who was on the bus. Video accompanying story taken by DSU players, Sania Crab shows an officer saying, quote, if there's anything in your luggage, we're probably going to find it okay. I'm not looking for a little bit of marijuana, but I'm pretty sure you guys, chaperones, are probably going to be disappointed in you if we find any, end quote. By the time Liberty County Sheriff's Office deputies had begun removing their players' bags from the vehicle cargo bay to search after asking Jones to open it. Police had a drug-sniffing dog at the scene. Deputies knew those on board were on the lacrosse team, but proceeded uh, to take these women uh, through this embarrassing situation. And um, again, quite frustrated, quite incensed, just that these things continue to happen. Uh, and you can't even escape this stuff no matter how much money you make, how much education you have, whether you're on a bus playing soccer, playing lacrosse, football, basketball, it doesn't matter. 
you have these incidents come up and what's frustrating is obviously Delaware in a lot of ways is throwing everything at this, which is appropriate in terms of pushing it to the governor's office, legislative. But you know, when you get in these interstate things and you have these folks that politicize this mess and try to find a way to justify these things, that a lot of this is going to get lost in terms of how this truly affects uh, women on this team. And there's not enough that I can say that appropriately will bring back um, what was lost in that situation. But I needed to say something, and so I put that on the table. I don't know if you want to have any additional words that Mike, or if that's enough, uh, we can move forward, but I'll leave it to you. No, that's, that's not enough. And you addressed it, you know, from the Delaware state side, let me address it from the other side. So when a public address did this on just yesterday, the year of our Lord, May 9th or whatever, May whatever, the sheriff, Sheriff William Bowman, this is according to a couple others, defended the stop. Quote, unquote, I do not believe any racial profiling took place. End quote. Before entering the motor coach, the deputies were not aware that this school was an HBC or historically black or aware of the race or the occupation due to the height of the vehicle and the tent. No personal bags were searched. No personal belongings were searched. As a veteran and former state trooper and the sheriff of this department, I do not exercise racial profiling, allow racial profiling, or encourage. Bowman said, said also no personal items, again, on the bus or persons were searched, negating the accounts of multiple people on the bus. Now, multiple people said bags were pulled out. Multiple people said bags looked in, okay? Once you get into those bags, I have two sons that pay lacrosse. You keep everything in those bags, personal items, gear, everything. Sometimes even uh, phone backup, wallets. You keep everything in those bags. That is team rule. So you are searching personal belongings. What was the motive? What prompted them to do this? The suspicion that this person was driving in the left-hand lane? Uh, I'm sorry, I have to put my two years of law school on, but that doesn't warrant a search of personal belongings. So I'm, I'm incensed by this. The defending of such acts, uh, I, I'm sorry, it, 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 it's unfathomable. And uh, I'm sorry that the Delaware State uh, lacrosse, female lacrosse team had to go through this. It's, it's, it's a shame. Um, <clears throat> you know, virtual members saw their luggage removed before a deputy had begun his even begun his explanation again illegal search and seizure you're supposed to give them a reason for it you're supposed to give an explanation then you search multiple people had said they began the search before giving an explanation and here's the kicker if you look at the social media folks were outraged there were a number of folks outraged there were a number of folks who defended saying well they do this for everyone name me one team name me one school where they stopped them without probable cause, pulled their bags out and, and taken a dog and searched them without cause and no explanation. Name me one instance that's happened. 
So yes, uh, there was a lot flying across social media. So I'm I'm really incensed at the defending of the deputies who who took place, who orchestrated and and basically made an illegal search for whatever reason. They yeah, so maybe maybe they did know it was an HBCU, but they found out re- really quickly once they stopped the bus. So those are my thoughts. Um, I'm really as two boys playing playing this game, they've seen enough of prejudice they've seen enough prejudice acts they've seen enough bias and this was just outright you know straightforward to the point bias profiling there's no other way to describe it exactly and then there's a case where uh, there's exchange with one of the shares that is uh, stated by one of the players as he talks about that they didn't search asking what is this in this box, it was a gift that was given to her for graduation. Came back and the box is open, but they hadn't searched anything. Yeah, I guess we're supposed to say allegedly with all this kind of stuff, but uh, it's tiresome. It's tiresome. It really is tiresome. But and not even going through it, just the ability to navigate this space and having to talk about it. With that being said, yeah, um, let's get into this first break and come back. Um, so we can uh, get into the rest of the show. But uh, I could not ignore that and act like we can just talk about sports and everything that's supposed to go on without at least providing some elements of um, framework of what's out there and what far too many people of African-American descent, minorities, women, however you want to look at it, have to deal with um, uh, across the framework on a daily basis. With that said, we'll be right back. This is Dr. Bill inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Yes, I'm monotone and solid on the reason. We'll be right back after this break. Q Time is our classic Atlanta soul food restaurant located in the historic West End. Q Time Soul Food is a family business started by Fred and Christine Crenshaw. Come on in, relax, and sink your chops into our tantalizing, mouth-watering, distinctive soul food with a twist, the Q Time way. 1120 Ralph David Abernathy Boulevard or call your order in at 404-758-2881. Do you miss your mama's cooking? Then come on down to Q Time, an Urban Passport member. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories Officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. Now you can live in Texas and not have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant-quality sheen to gravies and sauces. It's like a loot machine. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. 
Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot left, and who the ball, ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Professor Washington. Man, your Panthers did it over on the outdoor track and field. Brought out the brooms, not just for indoor-outdoor, but they did it both for men's and women's. I mean, does that mean you get, like, double brooms when you do something like that? I, I, I'm not familiar with that. I'll let you help me out. But shout-out to the Prairie a and Panthers. This goes a long way and may put them in solid position for the All-Sports Trophy. Certainly on the men's side, looks like they've been pretty good position on the women's side as well to get that done. That's huge. Coach of the year, Angela Weaver, Prairie Vianna, University of Most Outstanding Women's Track, performer Stella Kiptu from Alcorn State, Most Outstanding Women's Field performer is Hannah White, Jackson State. Men's side, Coach of the year is Chris Clay, Prairie Vianna, University of Most Outstanding Men's Track performer, Carlin Berry Hill, Bethune-Cookman. Most outstanding men's field performance, Nathan Crawford Wallace, Prairie A&M University. What are your thoughts in terms of Prairie View with the Daily Double? Oh, man, PV, you know. Shanetta Haskell would be proud on 1876 Sports and Culture. Man. Good shout out. A, a double fact, man, Coach of the Year, Angela Weaver, most outstanding track performer, Stella Kiptui. Uh, Alcorn State, I will acknowledge her. And then Hannah White, Jackson State, most outstanding women's field performer. But what do you say to the men's and women's team from Prairie View A&M, a.k.a. The Hill, capturing the men's outdoor track and field championship? It was amazing. I think the Lady Panthers finished with 160-some-odd points. Uh, I think the next closest team was uh, FAMU at 114 and Alcorn State. At 109, so, man, unbelievable performance. And then the men, not to be outdone, finished with 143 points total. That's a lot of points. That's not data points. That's actual field points. Uh, and <laughs> they did the thing. So uh, I know we got time crunch, but I wish you could ju- we could just acknowledge all of the individual performances, tremendous performance all around, Doc. Yeah, good shout-out to them. We'll get a chance to make sure we get some of that in. Uh, coming up, though, you have Norfolk State is set to host the 2022 MEAC Outdoor Track and Field Championship. Uh, that's going to be big. Yeah, North Carolina in the Big South, as they seem to be wrecking shop, as they have done over the last couple of years in regards to what's going on there. What other news that you want to talk about? Uh, I want to talk about, I mean, this is kind of PV related, but Henry Frazier, the third, has been named Virginia State football head this courtesy of a couple of social media uh, blasts and uh, HBCUsports.com. Henry Frazier, of course, coach of, of the Prairie View A&M when, uh, during the last, their last championship run in 2009, uh, is the 26th head football coach 
in the history of the Trojans program. So he's succeeding Reggie Barlow, who has resigned from the team after five seasons. So congratulations to uh, Coach Henry Frazier the third. One of my favorite, one of my favorite lines, Dr. Bill. I'm sorry, I got it. <laughs> when PV run on his uh, PV hadn't won a championship in years. Keep in mind that I went to PV during that 0 and 80 or 0 and 81 stretch. He Ooh. had the mindset. He got on the mic and said, "This is not your mama and daddy's PV." The room was silent. <laughs> so I love Coach Henry Frazier the third. Love him to death. I wish him nothing but the best. Congratulations to him as he goes into his next step as Virginia State football head coach. Man, he's been fighting the fight trying to find a way to continue to move back and prove itself, um, re-image itself, whatever you want to talk about it. But I'm delighted, excited. He's literally been right up to the doorstep. He was the finalist in maybe four or five different coachings at the FCS Division II, MEAC, uh, and even some outside of that. And he finally, as they say, knocking, knocking, knocking on that door, he knocked it down at Virginia State. Solid program, so he has a chance to do stuff. I can't wait to that uh, matchup between his alma mater, Bowie State. Bowie State. Down yeah. there. Obviously, Prairie View is his alma mater as well in terms of his doctor, Dr. Henry Frazier III. Uh, he was assistant coach over there. In between, obviously, he went to Maryland and did some um, uh, program updates in terms of getting it done in terms of what he's done. He's won everywhere in regards to what he's done. So I have no doubt that he's going to get it done at Virginia State. But that Virginia State, Bowie State, has been a knockout matchup, and it's just going to the next level when you talk about the relationship between that in terms of the mentor and the mentee. That should be fun in regards to what that should look like over the next couple of years. So glad that you brought that up, put that up. Did want to give an update. SWAC tournament, softball tournament is going on as we speak. We have um, updates. Alabama State, the number two seed, defeats the number three seed, Grambling, that's the two seed out of the east versus the three seed out of the west. Ten to two was that uh, score. You had a close one where you had Prairie View, the two seed in the west, getting it done against the number three seed in the east, four three, as that went down to the end. And you had the number one seed, Texas Southern, defeating the number four seed, and that's the number one seed out of the west against the number four seed out of the east. Jackson State shutting out 5-0, and you have Bethune-Cookman up getting it done uh, going in against the four seed out of the West. That's East versus West, Southern. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what that looks like there. I can give you some early updates before we get into the fact that the MEAC softball tournament uh, is coming up and actually starts tomorrow when you have some big matchups. It's 0-0, top of the second with two outs in terms of that. Southern versus Bethune-Cookman matchup, uh, fascinating uh, what's going on there. So did want to get into a little bit of that out there. What are your thoughts in terms of early scores for softball, SWAC, what may shake out, and then obviously the MEAC as well, as you have some intriguing matchups going on on that side of the ledger as well. So, so I believe it was Bethune and Texas Southern that finished the regular season both at the top. So you had finishing top in the East. I believe they were their winning percentage was 70%, 17 to seven. 
Uh, I believe Texas Southern was like 21 and three or 20 and plus and in three or four games. Um, so you wonder during the regular, does the regular season translate to tournament play? We talk about this all the time. Do you know the same things we talk about in baseball pitching depth, you know, are the bats going to stay alive during the tournament? So I'm kind of wondering as I'm looking at some of this matchup, you know, will Bethune, you know, make it through there? Cause you know, you know, technically Prairie View had the top batting average from, you know, looking at softball, um, fam, you, I mean, Bethune was kind of in the middle of the pack. And then if you look at pitching though, Bethune had the top team ERA, they had the top line of pitchers. So by all statistics and data points, they should roll through this tournament fairly well. So I'll be interested to see if any team is able to knock Bethune off because even though their batting average, their team bat, batting average is kind of in the mid 250s, 260s, and you typically want a team batting average close to 300, their team ERA pitching is 2.68 below three. And then the next closest team is Texas Southern with an ER team ERA of 2.69. So that means they're allowing only less than three runs every nine innings despite what their batting average. So that defense, that pitching is saying a lot. Will it be able to translate and transpire into the tournament play where you got to go deep into the pitching rotation? I'll be interested to see how that breaks down. I love the way you break that down because you talk about the season. It's like the marathon and then you get into the tournament, which is a sprint. So two entirely different uh, styles of running when you compare it to track and field since we just talked about the championships with Prairie View over there in the SWAC. And so it's fascinating looking at how does that go down when you talk about Bethune Cookman led by first year coach, uh, coach of the year, uh, Texas Southern second year coach, really uh, getting things done. Obviously, Texas Southern has dominated the West, uh, winning uh, 10 plus championships, 12 over the last straight years of dominating that, but only one overall championship. So they've been able to get to it. And East has kind of found a way to get it done. Be interesting to see what things change. You know, what will Bethune Cookman coming out of that division at the top, fam, you mixed in. What will that look like now that you've added these traditional strong programs that came over from the MEAC? Fascinating to see what you talked about. Talking about the MEAC uh, and the sophomore tournament as it starts tomorrow, you have the number one seed is Morgan State. This is the number one seed that has actually improved over the last time they our number one seed went 16 and 0. In 1998, they uh, come out into the tournament with 18 lead victories. The number two seed is Howard University, 17 and four in terms of what they did in the MEAC race. The number three, you have Norfolk State. Uh, they are hosting the tournament. So it'll be fascinating to see can they get an edge by having that um, part of it come down. And the fourth seed is Maryland Eastern Shore. Um, that is very strong. Started off the season really strong. Uh, faulted a little bit, but still were able to get into that top four. Five seed is North Carolina Central. Six is Coppin State. Um, and then you start getting into some of the seventh and eighth seed teams that uh, made the tournament. So it'll be fascinating to see what that looks like as you continue to get things going. Any general thoughts on the MEAC in terms of they kicking off tomorrow? Top eight teams as well. You can follow those on the MEAC Digital uh, Network on YouTube, just like you can follow the SWAT on the SWAT Digital Network that is also on YouTube. Yeah, so you look at you look at Morgan State, you look at Howard, Norfolk State, but really my eyes are focused on Morgan State and Howard. 
And you might ask, well, why, Big Mike? Good. I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you why. Why, Big Mike? <laughs> so, so look at Howard. Look at the team, how they performed this season. Their team batting average is 300. Their overall team ERA is 4.29. That means they're strong in the bats, but their pitching staff has flailed a couple of times. Remember, with an ERA or earned run average for the team, you tip the good, the better teams typically have ERAs that three or below. Morgan State, on the other hand, they have a team batting average nearly 300 at 270, 280. It's fluctuated. But their team ERA is the best of any HBCU softball team that, I, that I've tracked. It is 1.52. They're allowing less than two earned runs every nine innings. That is phenomenal. So we'll see can Morgan State, which has the best team, I believe, in the, the best record in the MEAC, can they take that through the, uh, through the tournament uh, because they're playing some tremendous ball? Uh, they're at 29 and 13. So they, they, they basically um, have the weapons, obviously, in the pitching staff and rotation. And that's one of the key factors that you look for when you're going into the, uh, the tournament is who has the arms, who has the depth. So they and they have a rotation of I think it was seven or eight pitchers, but have a team ERA of one point five two. I sometimes when you see that it's an anomaly. It's like an off data point because it's only based on two or three pitches pitchers. But they have a team of a rotation of pitchers that should do well in the tournament. So I'm interested. I'm I'm kind of you know picking that Morgan State horse to kind of finish, but I'm not ruling Howard out because of their bats. Oh, good point. Good breakdown. Before we get into this break, I'd be remiss if I didn't give you an update. NCAA issued guidance on NIL. The NCAA Board of Directors offers more clarity on what's considered a booster. That was really the focus. It's not any, like, new rules. Um, they're saying they're going to enforce these old rules in terms of issuing guidance to schools of the intersection of recruiting and NIL. This is brought to you by Tyler Carr HBCU Game Day. Um, the crux of it is really essentially saying that the collectives that you've seen and heard that have been performed out there are recognized as booster or booster groups as well. So that is something to make sure uh, we've heard a little of that trickling down to HBCUs, some folks that are interested in doing collectives. So that's going to be something that individuals are going to have to be mindful of to make sure that they're within the NCAA guidelines to make sure they don't get their institutions in trouble. It'll be fascinating to see where that goes. This kind of leads me to uh, Coach Bray, Mike Bray of uh, Notre Dame. When you had all these other coaches from these Power Five conferences, football and basketball, uh, having concerns on the uh, portal, if you would, in NIL. Mike Bray said what a lot of us were thinking, just shut the hell up, get over it, <laughs> and figure it out. He said, we're paid a lot of money. And it sounds like we could uh, find a way to get it done. So I appreciate at least one of the Power Five coaches speaking out pretty much what we've said. Stick with us. We'll be right back at this break. We'll come back. We're going to take you to Montgomery, live to Montgomery, for the Black College World Series to give you some insight of what's going on there. Because while the games kick off tomorrow, there's some festivities that kick off today. And we will be brought back by uh, A.D. Drew. In terms of our clinical professor is going to give us some insight. Stiglitz will be right back after this break to give you some insights of what's going on in Montgomery. I'll be down there tomorrow for the rest of the week. We'll do a show live 
uh, in Montgomery to give you some updates as well. But let's get some showcases. We'll be right back. Stick with us. We'll be uh, right back after this quick break. Oh, that spin class was brutal. Well, you can try using the Buick's massaging seat. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Can I use Apple CarPlay to put some music on? Sure. It's wireless. Pick something we all like. Okay, hold on. What's your Buick's Wi-Fi password? Buick Envision 2021. Oh, you should pick something stronger. That's really predictable. That's a really tight spot. Don't worry. I used to hate parallel parking. Me too. Hey. Really outdid yourself. Yes, we did. The all-new Buick Envision. An SUV built around you. All of you. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Full, but we Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Oh, we've got a Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. The top HBCU programs in the nation come to Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium this May 11th through 14th for the Black College World Series. The best Black College baseball teams in the NCAA Division II and the NAIA will battle for Black Baseball's ultimate prize. Games will be streamed live at www.mybcsn.net. Tickets are available now online at www.blackcollegechampionships.net. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah, and who the ball, the ball. So listen to Professor, yes sir, and pay attention. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Charles Bishop is on assignment. So you've been getting a little bit of the clinical professor, Drew, but at this time, He's off of his professor training, if you would, and he's actually putting on his work coat uh, as he is I'm, the I'm director doing research of administration. Today. <laughs> yeah, a little research, <laughs> live research, as we would call it, right? He is, yeah. as you know, the director of administration and technology for the Tyson Foods Black College World Series in Montgomery, Alabama. The games kick off tomorrow on 11th for the 14th, but we actually have an event starting off today. Drew, with that being said, I'm going to turn it over to you. Let us know, let the people know where you're at and what you're doing. I am currently at the Multiplex at Crampton Bowl. It is a uh, multi-purpose facility that uh, sits next to historic Crampton Bowl here in Montgomery, Alabama. You know, Crampton Bowl was home so many years to uh, Alabama State football, and the Turkey Day Classic is the current home to the Camellia Bowl. Uh, right now, which is one of those bowls that kick off the uh, college bowl season. And uh, as part of that, when they expanded uh, this facility about 15 years ago, they added a multi-purpose building next to it, which houses not only uh, large enough to have about five basketball courts in here, but for us and our purposes, it's housing our uh, 
Black College not Black College not Elites Awards Banquet as the kickoff to the Tyson Foods Black College World Series. Good point. Good point. Uh, as people probably have realized now, um, the tournament consists of Division II programs, NIA programs, the Division II programs playing into the game, um, none other than some of those top teams. Can you give us an update for those that haven't been following as closely as I? What are the Division II programs that are participating in it, and who are the four NIA programs? Uh, your, your number one seed are, are the Albany State Golden Rams out of the SIAC. Number two seed is Miles College Golden Bears. The number three seed is uh, Bluefield State Big Blue, and your number four seed is Kentucky State Thoroughbreds in the NCAA Division II bracket. On the other side, the NAIA bracket, Florida Memorial Lions are our number one seed. The Everwaters Tigers are the number two seed. The Rust College Bearcats are the number three seed. And the Talladega Tornadoes are the number four seed. Each of those two groups will compete independently in a double elimination bracket with the exception of the championship games. We, we follow the SWAC format. Championship game, both uh, both brackets, or uh, uh, winner go home. One and done in the championship game, and then those two winners will come back Saturday for another one and done game to determine who is the 2022 Tyson Foods Black College World Series champion. Oh, that's pretty awesome, Mike. Jump in here and ask the follow up question. Yeah, well, first, first, let me say you look rather sharp, AD. I, I, I must say so myself. That's a sharp tie. Man, boy, you cleaning the board of hell. So <laughs> can you give me the, the a, a sense of kind of the excitement? Because Crampton, Crampton Bowl, I mean, that was built in 1922. I think the first baseball game there was played that year as well. I forget between who. And uh, to have kind of a historical setting in Crampton, you know, Crampton Bowl, Give can you give a sense for kind of the turnout and the excitement level uh, for this year's uh, black, really black college baseball world series? Well, first of all, about this facility, do you little, little known history fact the first time colored people were allowed in this facility for, for an event was the Turkey Day Classic in 1924. Wow. And obviously, you know, that was Tuskegee and Alabama State. So just put this on a historical and, and baseball was the first sport play in this facility. Obviously, now it is a football uh, only facility with the games for the uh, Tyson Foods Black College World Series taking place about a mile down the road at the uh, minor league stadium of the Tampa Bay Devil Rays the uh, Riverwalk Stadium, home of the Montgomery Biscuits. But today, has, it's been exciting and the last three days that I've been in town, I've slowly seen the momentum picking up and picking up as not only myself and other people on the committee are doing more interviews and more social media presence. Uh, more people are calling, more people are interested in it. Obviously, you know, you can do social media all you want to, but nothing beats good old fashioned, beating the streets and just talking to people, shaking hands and kissing babies and all that stuff. Hey, you look like a baseball player and, and everything like that. And you know, uh, I went to the Montgomery Business game on Saturday, and there were two 
young teenage, probably about 13, 14, just sitting up in the stands just watching the baseball game. Two black teenagers, and they just sit up there by themselves, watch the game, enjoy the game. It's like, wow. y'all really like baseball, don't y'all? Y- yes, sir. Yes, we do. So you go, I want to see y'all Wednesday night. And, and just because I had a couple comp tickets in my hand, it's like I, I expect to see y'all here Wednesday night. But that's the kind of stuff we do. You know, my day started, I was up at 4 30 this morning because I had to be on a uh, live interview at 6 15 this morning to discuss the Tyson Foods oh, like College job. World Series. So it's, I've, I've been wide open. Yeah. Yeah. And we going appreciate back, Going back to that, going back to that history. I also is, and you can tell me if this is true or not. There were a couple of Negro League World Series games played in the stadium as well, right? Yes, uh, and, and now you got me stretched. I believe there was the Montgomery Gray Sox was the name of the team that was based here. Now I cannot tell you the years that they that they played here, but I do know there is a Negro League presence here in. Montgomery, Alabama, in addition to Montgomery being the cradle, the cradle of the modern civil rights. Uh, absolutely. Thanks, Doc. Yes. I question out. No, that's great stuff. Uh, very historic nature of Montgomery. So many different things to do. Uh, you can get down there and see the baseball, but you get a lot of historical factors. Good food as well. So fascinating when you talk about. And I'm about to eat some, good, some of that good food in about uh, 30 minutes. <laughs> certainly, certainly. We're going to let you get to it. It's got a couple of follow-up questions go ahead. in regards to the matchup. Let's get into some of the diamond, what action that's going to go on the diamond. Uh, yeah. Albany State had a really good season, uh, finished in second with that uh, matchup against Savannah State, made a deep run into the SIC tournament, and so they have another chance to fight for a championship. Um, out of the teams there, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? You know, what are some of the team people – to keep their eyes on as they can obviously if they can't get there they can watch on DCSN uh, the network to see some of these games well Dr. Kabir because of where I sit at on this board I don't want to forecast so I'm gonna spend your question a different way if you if you would allow me to sure Let, 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 let me tell you this I've talked to six of the eight coaches two coaches who I have not had a chance to talk to today but I will see them in a few minutes but I have talked to them on the phone these coaches are more excited about coming to this Tyson Foods Black College World Series than winning their conference. This, wow. this, and the players, this means more to the players than their conference championship. Because I think these coaches and these players understand the reality because IHBCUs feel like they're behind the eight ball and they don't, we, we don't, we look, look about, look about Tuskegee going to Tiger softball team. Despite their record, despite them going 18 and one in conference, going through and winning, winning the conference championship, and and winning, uh, winning was well, going 30. I forgot what they. I think they're like 32 or 34 and 11 now after the uh, after the tournament. They still wind up playing the number one seed. So that's why these these teams get frustrated by going to the national tournament. I don't care if it's NCAA, NAIA, D1, D2, D whatever. This. This means more to these players, to these coaches, just like the celebration, the cricket celebration bowl means more to these players. CIAA championship means more to these players. Those things mean more to these players than winning that, winning that title, going to get beat up in the next round or the next, in the next two rounds because they don't give you a real chance. They don't want you to win the national championship. They will be, there will be a national champion when somebody leaves Montgomery on Saturday night. Oh. 
Perfect. Well said. Well said. Shout out to Claflin out of the CIAA winning the softball championship as you got the nice plug for Tuskegee. And I was going to congratulate on that. So I'm glad you got that out there. Um, and uh, congratulations to Spring Hill in terms of winning the SIC. With that being said, uh, we're getting into some action. Softball's going on. Getting some updates there. With that being said, we're going to get into our last break. And we will be right back after this quick break. The top HBCU programs in the nation come to Montgomery, Alabama's Riverwalk Stadium this May 11th through 14th for the Black College World Series. The best black college baseball teams in the NCAA Division II and the NAIA will battle for black baseball's ultimate prize. Games will be streamed live at www.mybcsn.net. Tickets are available now online at www.blackcollegechampionships.com. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Are you ready? It's time. The inaugural Urban NerdCon is coming to Montgomery, Alabama, July 29th through the 31st. Blurds, nerds, and geeks from across the universe converge on the capital city to see celebrity guests such as The Last Dragon, Tybok, Megan Tandy, and voice actor Dave Fenoy. Hey, how you doing? I'm voice actor Dave Fenoy with a shout out to all my geeks, freaks, and urban nerds. Just want to let you know I'm going to be there and I want to meet you at the Urban Nerd Con Gaming and Cosplay event. It's happening July 29th through the 31st in Montgomery, Alabama. Hope you want to meet me as much as I want to meet you. So join us by visiting TheUrbanNerdCon.net for ticket and vendor information. This will be the premier blurred event in the universe. TheUrbanNerdCon.net. Our heroes, our villains, our stories, everyone's con. See you there. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com That's www.slowburnwaco.com For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love yeah. and who the ball, ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir, yes, sir. and pay attention. Boy, he gonna... This is Doctorville inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Charles Bishop on assignment. 
But we got Mike to give us some updates of uh, baseball. We hadn't heard from his thoughts in a while. And guess what? The Squack races have gotten closer. This past weekend, we had matchups that featured the top two teams in each division. And boy, did we have some good games uh, in terms of what took place. Fam, you swept Alabama State with surprise almost everybody. Certainly thought that fam, you could be in the business, but would they take all three? Yes, they were in Tallahassee, but they get it done, which vaults them to the top of the division. So the top four teams in the division, you have Jackson State in the fourth spot at 10 and 14, having lost two straight. You have Bethune-Cookman sitting at 15 and nine, winning two straight. Alabama State have lost four, including being swept by FAMU that's at the top. Alabama State is sitting at 16 and seven, while FAMU is at the top of the Eastern Division now at 18 and six, winning seven straight games, really playing some good baseball, sitting at 25 and 23 overall, along with um, Alabama State that is also sitting with 25 wins. However, they have 21 losses. Let me let you jump in there and talk a little bit about the East, and then we'll break down what took place in the West, which was fascinating as well. Yeah, the 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 FAMU, uh, I'm kind of scratching my head on that. They took Alabama <laughs> Uh, and 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 get this, you know the scores the scores on that were kind of convincing. Uh, well, close games, twelve seven six seven six, and and uh, I believe twelve five. So that first game was kind of was very convincing. But it seems like Fam, you came alive and said, "Hold up, we are still in the baseball business." Here and and here's another data point for you is that <clears throat> Fam, you is kind of moving up in kind of the statistics overall as well. Um, they're, they were in the sellers in terms of team batting average. And now they're like sitting at, I'd say around third, fourth or fifth, uh, they keep fluctuating. So I, I don't know what's happening. It seems like fam, you may be that spoiler team as they approach the, uh, the tournament. So we'll see team. They are heating up at the right time of the year. And that's the very end. Um, I believe they are on a, I think they're on a, Oh, God, I, I think they're on like a six-game winning streak. So, fam- Yeah, they won seven straight. Yeah. So, that's a head-scratcher. They they are finishing the season unlike how they started the season, if that makes sense. And then you look on the other side and you see Prairie View and what they're doing. Um, they have a two-game lead over, uh, I believe, the next closest team, and that's Grambling. Although I think they won one of three in that last matchup with uh, with Grambling as well. So um, Before you break that down, let me give the top four teams. Really okay. tight in the West. It's looking interesting. Southern, 15-9, they swept their, they swept their last weekend to stay in contention as they were facing Pine Bluff. You had Texas Southern getting it done against Alcorn State where they swept them as well. Texas Southern, uh, don't look now. They've won eight straight. They're sitting at 15 and nine. Ramlin took two out of three on the road. This is the first season series loss for Prairie View. They had won all their series previous to that, including sweeping their last two before getting two out of three at home, taken away from, from Gramlin, which tightens things up a bit, as you were talking about, as Gramlin sits at 16 and eight. Um, they split the series, so they took the last game uh, to get out of there with two out of the three. Prairie View still at the top, and they had 18-6, losing their last game to Grambling. So two-game lead, as you're talking about, and they have their last two 
on the road, they go to Southern, and then they finish with a rival, Texas Southern University. So this should be interesting in terms of some of these final matchups. Yeah, Texas Southern uh, facing off against Grambling. So it's going to be some intriguing matchups as we close out the season and see what takes place. Again, break it down. What are your thoughts in terms of uh, the, the races going down the stretch? You can dip into some of those matchups this past weekend, or you can look forward as we'll take a deeper look forward on Thursday as we talk about some of those games in the Tyson uh, oh, so Black College don't, World Series. So don't look now, but I don't think nobody is wanting to play Texas Southern right now. They are pretty hot. They beat out. <laughs> <laughs> you can say Alcorn, they Pine Bluff, and these are convincing games, 17-6, 11-1, 11-2, 12-6, 13-3. I think the closest margin of victory in the last eight games for them has been a two-point uh, win. Everything else has been almost lopsided. They beat Southern 10-9. They beat in a, uh, in a two-game stretch, 9-7. So here's another data point that may, may not stand out at you. Now listen closely. If you look at the top 10 batters, if you look at the top 10 in hitting, whenever you have at least three or four of your team, your, your members of your team in the, in the top 10 in batting average, that's a data point. That's, a, that's something that makes your eyebrows go up. And if you look at the top 10 in batting in the conference, there are two teams with three folks in the top 10 in terms of batting average meaning a third of your team is in the tops in the swag. There's two teams. That's TSU and Prairie View. There's a couple of others straggled in there. Gramlin State has one, then Jackson. And if you go to 15, Texas Southern has another, another two in the top 15. So half of their leading lineup is in the top 15 in batting area. What does that tell you? Glad you asked, Big Mike. That means Texas Southern's bats are hot. And they are going to take that into the playoffs. You hope their pitching can keep up, but that's the hottest team playing right now. Preview is doing good. They just lost that three-game stint with Grambling, as you alluded to, but they are still a hot team as well. I would watch out the eyes of the eyes of May. We say the eyes of March, a little Shakespeare, but the eyes of May have their eyes set on Texas Southern with those bats warming up in the way they have. Great information, great breakdown. I look forward to the end of this race. It's going to be fascinating to see how things are going to turn out into these races. And then you go over to the MEAC uh, where you have some uh, matchups there. When you talk about breaking that down, uh, it's close at the top as well. Um, you have Norfolk State in fourth spot sitting at 12 and 18. So they're five games back. They lost their last game. You have Maryland Eastern Shore 15 and 15, just two games back. They won their last one. Delaware State is sitting at 16 and 14, winning two straight. And they're just one game back, sitting at the top of the conference is Cobb State, sitting at 17 and 13, but they don't have a lot of room for error. They have lost their last two, which shrunk the lead that they have, uh, putting Delaware State and Maryland Eastern Shore right in position uh, in terms of over the last week or so to see if they can make a move. What are your thoughts in terms of the MEAC, just how close this was? This thing has been close all year long. You thought you might have seen Coppin State kind of stretching things out uh, as they sat last week, but just uh, you would have thought it it closed back in that quick this week. <laughs> Any thoughts on the MEAC in terms of the uh, Yeah, I, I kind of thought, like you said, the Coppin State was going to run away with it. They, I mean, they lost to who was it, Delaware State, you know, 12-4. 
0 to 7. So a very low offensive output at the end of the year. They're not ending up where you want them to be. Yes, they're tops in the division, but you want them, you want your team to be uh, moving on all strides as you move into the, uh, the tournament season. So they also had key losses to, uh, they had, they did have one loss to Mar- Maryland Eastern Shore. They won three out of four there. But, you know, you'd like to say that Coppin State is one of the favorite teams going in. But, I mean, you can't, you can't rule out Delaware State or Maryland Eastern Shore at, by any stretch. I'd say by any stretch, Mel- uh, Delaware State. So it's, 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 you know, you don't have, this is not going to be a one horse race here. It's going to go down. So, fascinating sticking with baseball independent the north carolina ant continues to struggle to just one and 16 in the conference race 13 and 33 overall they lost the last five games bit of a struggle not much better in the independent programs for softball those seasons or regular seasons coming to end as they get into the tournament in the big south you have hampton and north carolina and the two hbcus in the conference sitting at nine and ten of a 10 league race uh, hampton is sitting at seven and 20 while North Carolina is third three and 22 in the race and then you have Tennessee State 10 a uh, 10 uh, in the OBC as they sit at six and 22 not a lot to break down there just not playing very good baseball tough in terms of what they're getting done looks like the season is going to come to a merciful end for those with that being said let's bring the show to an end thank you for listening to inside HBC Sports Lab make sure you share our podcast with your friends and your colleagues I am Dr. Kenyatta Caville, the Dean of HBCU Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBCU Sports with Mike Watts and Charles Bishop. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Ville's Inside HBCU Sports Lab. Hope you enjoyed our guest, clinical professor, A.D. <laughs> Drew, giving you some updates on the Tyson food. Black Look at Sharp. In Montgomery as they were getting ready for the banquet. Uh, Looking sharp there, uh, getting it all done. I'll be in there tomorrow to give you some updates on Thursday, give you some live action. Charles is coming in. Looks like he'll be calling some games. So make sure you check us out. Uh, the Tyson Foods Black College World Series on BCSN. Uh, you can catch it on the website or you can download my JBN, my BCSN to make sure you catch uh, the games this next couple of days. It should be fascinating. Some big time games there. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday right here at 6 o'clock Central Standard Time. We look forward as we discuss the latest Thursday and giving you some live action. Uh, We'll have some special deliveries too, so keep all your updates as we'll give you some updates as we might do some uh, shows, some updates in between the action a couple of days there as well. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Caville, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A. C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A. C-A-V-I-L. Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube is Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Like, share, and subscribe. Shout out to all the lab listeners out there. I didn't forget you. I know you're showing us love. Just wanted to uh, shout out for the lab listeners. Dream big and continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Mike? Of course. Roy? Lecture. Dismissed.